Hey, thank you for joining us today on Uptime Logistics, powered by Cap Logistics. I'm your host, Doug Draper, with the Denver Transportation Club, and uh, we're excited about today's guest, uh, Veronica Contreras, who is the president of Zavero Consulting. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Mexican and uh, Mexico manufacturing, some of the trends, some things to uh, look look out for in 2020, and how things have really evolved and changed over time. So. We're really excited to have you with us, Veronica. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Doug. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Before we jump into our content, we always like to learn a little bit about our guests. So uh, maybe you talk to the audience kind of about yourself, your background, and how you got into the uh, to the industry and where you are today. That'd be a sure. great start. Awesome. So I started uh, in the industry about 18 years ago. <clears throat> I would I actually went to high school with the owner's son of uh, Co-Production International. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated college, he hired me and I started working for their company, their shelter company. And after 10 years of working for them, I became an independent consultant and I continued doing that. And basically what I do is I work with US manufacturers who are in the process of evaluating whether or not they want to set up a factory in Mexico. So I work with either owners of manufacturing companies or CEOs, CFOs, uh, presidents, and I help them gather all of the information that they're going to need to set up their manufacturer, manufacturing operations in Mexico. Everything from cost analysis to the process, um, timelines, um, get you know, I help them get ready to, to make a decision on whether or not it makes sense for them. Excellent. That's great. So I know you've used the term shelter, right? And I, when you and I were speaking before, I think of shelter um, personally, kind of like we got to shelter some money or shelter something away from something that you're trying to hide it, but that's not at all what you guys are doing. So give us a real quick definition of what you mean by shelter. You explained it a little bit, but I want to make sure we have that term clarified before we really jump in. That's a great, uh, great question. So what a shelter does is basically it's a U.S. company that has several Mexican companies that are completely permitted and operational uh, under the maquiladora program. There's another term that we can get into in defining. But basically, uh, we're able to start up a company, a manufacturing company, we're able to set them up and start them up in a very short period of time. Um, as quickly as two to three months where we can have a company fully operational because we're plugging them in Mexico. Now the word shelter uh, comes from that these U.S. manufacturers that are operating in Mexico, they have an option to operate under the shelter, meaning that they don't have any liability in Mexico. The shelter does. So somebody is guaranteeing all, everything that's happening in Mexico on your behalf. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it certainly does. So thank you for that. And then Macchiadora, I may have mispronounced that, but explain that term since we're um, uh, defining things and then we'll jump in. So explain that a little bit for our audience. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really uh, common term in our industry. Whenever a company or uh, anybody is looking at manufacturing in Mexico, the Macchiadora program will come up at some point you know, in that process. So what a maquiladora is, is this actually started back in 1964, um, back when the Bracero program was allowing U.S. or uh, Mexican workers to work in the farm fields in the U.S. 
when that program en ended, we had a bunch of labor that was sitting there, uh, Mexican labor that was in the border region. And that's when the Maquiladora program was born. And basically what it allows is foreign investment, typically US foreign investment working in Mexico under a favorable trade agreement, which you know, right now the famous USMCA uh, falls and plays into that, but basically we're trading goods back and forth at, uh, at no duty, at a no duty rate. So there's a lot of tax benefits that are part of that. Okay, excellent. All right, thank you so much, appreciate that. So let's talk about some general manufacturing trends, right? We understand you kind of help navigate and, and the shelter takes care of folks when they want to come into Mexico. Let's talk kind of a holistic picture and, and maybe talk about some, um, not only North American, but maybe some world trends that you're seeing uh, related to manufacturing um, and maybe how that differs from 20 years ago to now. And what I mean, maybe 20 years ago, only people cared about cheap labor. And now there's other factors that are involved with that. So maybe compare and contrast what it was like 20 years ago and maybe some trends that you're seeing in, in manufacturing. Sure. So this started about a year and a half ago when we started the US-China trade war. Uh, prior to that, we were seeing an influx of companies who had a lot of interest in manufacturing in Mexico who were manufacturing in other locations besides the US. Maybe they had operations in China or um, Europe or different locations, non-US they were already kind of kicking the tires of, we were seeing a big uptick on companies who were looking at reshoring or coming back to North America and manufacturing in Mexico. Um, once the China trade war went into effect, our, that went uptick, huge, huge. We hadn't seen this kind of uh, movement in years of companies evaluating and really considering serious moves to Mexico. And then when we had the, um, the USMCA negotiations and once that finalized, we started seeing companies who were much more serious on moving. And now with the COVID, you know, it's basically companies are now in process of changing their strategies and coming near shore. Um, and it's not necessarily to Mexico. So I'm starting to see a lot of companies leaving China and setting up in North America and the US or evaluating setting up operations in Mexico or doing combination of both. Um, so that movement is happening and it's all caused by the, you know, all of the different events that have happened over the last year, year and a half. Um, a lot of US companies, uh, but I'm also seeing a lot of Chinese companies moving into the area. So in my pipeline, I'm talking to a lot of Chinese companies who want to set up in different parts of Mexico to serve the U.S. factories that are already set up there. For example, in automotive, I have some, a company from China that's looking to set up to, to serve his automotive client in Mexico. Got it. Do you think, um, are the Chinese factories realizing if we don't adapt to the, to the, the trends that we're going to lose the business altogether? Is that, okay. is that why they're coming to Mexico? Like, hey, I know you're going to Mexico. Let me be a part of the engagement. We'll set up shop in Mexico. Is that kind of what That's you're seeing? That's exactly it. They, they, in order for them to stay in the game, they have to change their way of doing business. And so they're setting up locally so that they can be a local partner to that supply chain and service their clients locally. Because that's, that's really 
to your question, that's really the change that I've seen over the last 20 years. It's about becoming a local solution to your clients. And that's what companies are in, in the manufacturing industry. That's what companies are demanding now is you need to be here in order to provide me with quick turnaround, you know, inventory solutions, immediate service, so that we can be more efficient, more cost competitive, and service our customer better. Do you see um, companies doing a wholesale change from China to say, hey, you know, because of the factors you just mentioned, quicker turnaround, closer to your to your clients, uh, reduced overhead. Are they just saying we're pulling out of China altogether and we're going to set up shop, or are they looking to diversify and say we're going to make certain products in China still and maybe some in Vietnam and some in Mexico? How is that looking from your clients? Yeah, what I'm seeing is China has its own market and it's a huge market. So even if it's a a, a Chinese company or a U.S. company who has operations in Mexico they're not planning to pull that out. They're planning to keep those there to serve their local, the local market, um, which is very large. The companies that I'm talking to that are setting up presence in Mexico is to serve the North American market. So it's a different market. Um, and I, that's really the trend that I'm seeing is more localization, manufacturing and localization in, in the areas, depending on your client base. So that I'll see a lot of companies, I'm in the Baja California area, Southern California, and I'll see a lot of companies even in the U.S. who, are, who will set up operations in, let's say, south of the border in Tijuana um, to serve as their West Coast manufacturing and distribution for the U.S. So they'll cover you know, the, this part of the world, this part of the United States, and then they'll continue with their East Coast manufacturing operation to serve that part of the world that part of the United States. Gotcha. All right. So this is what they call the 30-second elevator speech, right? So my next question is, tell me kind of the, the value proposition that Mexico can bring to the table, because there's some okay. other sourcing that you could do in you know, North America, but obviously your focus is Mexico. You know it very well. So what would be two or three key factors that uh, you would talk to a, a company about, say, this is why you need to be in Mexico? It's all about really the number one driver's proximity. Mm -hmm. So the fact that um, it all comes down to where's your client and the companies that I'm talking to, U.S. manufacturing companies anywhere in the United States, um, being, if you need a near shore location, Mexico is right next door and it's literally a day, a day delivery time from the Mexican facility to the U.S. facility mm -hmm. versus, you know, Asia, which is a three month, two month process um, so you can't beat the proximity to our neighbor in Mexico right. and um, the second point would be the labor costs and the cost savings obviously is, is huge so a fully direct employee in Mexico could be about three dollars and fifty cents an hour uh, for a manufacturing employee and that's fully burdened all in um, and you know, the savings are, is a driver. It's not the number one driver though. Uh, I would say the third is um, the experience and the, the strengths in the industry. So for example, medical devices, aerospace, electronics, automotive, those are really strong industries in Mexico. So we'll find a lot of companies that 
are in that industry, in that sector, and they're coming to set up in Mexico because they can't find enough labor force in the U.S. Uh, they can't find enough engineers. They can't find enough people to serve their industry with the experience. And Mexico has, has that and offers that gotcha. easily. Yeah, it's good points. Okay, so you, you've sold me. I want to go to Mexico, and let's say I make a this is a terrible example, but a cup holder for a car, right? And um, uh, let's just call it a widget. And I need to be closer to my clients, which would be the car manufacturers. And I'm just using automotive as an example. So you sold me, Veronica, I'm good to go. Let's walk me through the steps and walk our audience through the steps of what comes next. I may refer to this kind of the nuts and the bolts of how do you set it up? So Veronica, I'm all in, I get the proximity, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go. What do we do now? What do those type of steps look like? Okay, so first I'm gonna ask, um, you know, where's your client base? So that we can figure out what part of Mexico makes sense. So we evaluate a lot of the logistics side of, of that process. So where's the final product going? Is it gonna be going to your client? Is it going to a warehouse? So we first determine what part of Mexico makes the most, most sense from a logistics standpoint. And from a um, labor standpoint, is there certain areas or certain expertise that you need that will drive us to a certain part of, in Mexico? Um, so we'll determine the location. And then once we determine the location, then I'm gonna ask you lots of questions to help understand the scope of your project. How many employees, what kind of employees, um, what kind of skill sets, engineers, et cetera, how many years of experience do you need? Um, what's the square footage on the building that you're going to need? What's your utility demands? Electricity, water, do you need natural gas? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to extrapolate all of this information so that I can understand what your needs will be. And then we'll put this all on a cost analysis for you. So you'll be able to quickly see what your monthly operational expenses will be, as well as your startup expenses. And you can expect for, let's say, a company with 70 employees, um, who's operating in California, let's say, um, they would be saving about two, north of $2 million a year on labor. So I'll show you how that all works, and then we'll, I'll help you understand what your startup expenses are going to be. And once all that's kind of put together, then I help you understand what your timeline's going to look like, right? Because like, you're sold, you're ready to move forward, but... <laughs> We got to talk about time frames. Things are are can take um, can take longer than we like, um, and then we talk about options, right? Do you want to operate under the shelter program, or do you want to own your own Mexican corporation, and what those differences are, and the differences in responsibilities and costs, etc. So once we do all that, then we get into contract execution, and you know, basically, my team will provide a full full turnkey service, which means everything from um, real estate to hiring all the employees to full execution and getting you started. And once we get you started, then we continue providing all of the administrative services and accounting and human resources, finance, international trade and compliance, environmental health and safety. Uh, so we're basically your boots on the ground in Mexico. So that way you're your key executives are focused on manufacturing and training the employees. Excellent. So you would actually, uh, so to make my uh, cup holder, right? You say Guadalajara is the place to be and 
we would say, all right, uh, here's the specs of the building, all that. So you would go out and find the physical structure. And find the physical structure, yeah. Yeah. And then would we sign the lease directly or would that be through the shelter group? That would be would? through the shelter. So okay. if you operate under the shelter program, the shelter signs the lease agreement, hires the employees, and assumes all the responsibilities in Mexico. Wow. That's uh, yeah. that's um, that's amazing. And then there's the ongoing support, right? So, hey, you got me up and running. I got my crew. I'm rocking and rolling. And six months down the road, there's problems. My labor force is challenged. I'm losing people. Or I was just audited because mm -hmm. the machine I'm using is emitting too much pollution. Um, I can then come back to you and say, hey, I need help. These are all of our, that's what the shelter does. So we handle all of those problems, all of those audits, like with COVID right now, uh, we've been managing all of the COVID situations, all the audits from the health departments, um, really keeping the doors open for our clients if they're essential, um, managing all the communication with the government and doing what's necessary to, to, to you know, support our clients that, are, that have manufacturing operations in Mexico. Gotcha. And that's uh, an ongoing service or does that kind of sunset after a period of time? Like, hey, we'll, we'll help you for a year and then we're going to turn the keys over and you're in charge. Or does the shelter program um, help and manage indefinitely? How's that's that a great question. So I'd say that's one of the big differences between the shelter operators. There's a handful of, of us that work throughout Mexico. Um, so the one that I represent, Co-Production International, we're very much about getting our clients started for a certain period of time. And that mm -hmm. could be anywhere from five to 10. The client that I've had the longest, I think we're, we're at 14 years now under the shelter program, but with the intention of when they're ready, helping them roll off to become independent of the shelter. We think that that's a really healthy way to operate. So our business model is structured that way. There are other shelters out there that don't want you to leave and they, you know, they want you to, they want to support you for, for the life that you're in Mexico. So it just really mm -hmm. depends on what your long-term goals are as a company and understanding what your shelter operator is, is offering. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about the, the human capital, right? I know that's kind of a general term. And so here's an example. I'm big on examples to help explain my, my questions, right? So let's say there's, um, uh, more so the general skill set of the labor force in Mexico, right? Let's say that, hey, I need more than somebody just to push a button to turn a machine on and make sure the assembly line doesn't, doesn't malfunction. I need somebody that can do a little bit more than that, that may need some engineering experience, maybe a higher level type of workforce employee. In general, in Mexico, are those type of um, people readily accessible or is there more automation that goes into making sure the, pro the, the program runs smoothly? No, so that would, going back to one of your original questions, that's probably the biggest difference that I've seen in the last 20 years. So maybe in 20 years, there was less automation mm -hmm. um, to manufacture products, but the labor force is very experienced. They've been in manufacturing for at least 40 years. So there's lots of experienced uh, people who, who live in Mexico and who are available to the manufacturing industry. What we're starting to see now, though, is more implementation. For example, Industry 4.0, which is you know worldwide initiative of just automating and having more technology in manufacturing. You know, Mexico is definitely playing uh, playing playing itself in in that industry. For example, I have a client that I set up 
uh, in the aerospace industry. They make connectors. And I have, uh, I set them up about 14 years ago. <clears throat> and at the beginning, you know, a large pool of engineers, we had about 20 engineers working for an operation that was eventually going to be about 500 employees. And what the change I've seen in them is that implementation of Industry 4.0, becoming more automated, more efficient, so that they can reduce their overall costs, have less people, but evolve from, from a highly labor-intensive operation to a, you know, a better mix of, of more automation, but still having that labor component, because there's certain production processes that, that will always require some sort of labor, some such labor. Do you assist in helping to find that automation? So, so let's say that there's a, a machine that will improve my efficiencies by 20%, but I'm not sure where to get it. I'm not sure where to buy it. I don't know, do I source it in Mexico? Do I do that? Those type of things as the business evolves and, uh, evolves and grows, are you there as you know, the consultant making suggestions and here's where you need to go to buy this piece of equipment, things of that nature? You know what, there's much smarter people than, than myself. <laughs> and the engineers that work for my clients, the Mexican engineers, they're amazing. And that's what they're doing. That's the value that I'm seeing when companies are operating in Mexico is the ability of the Mexican engineers to be able to take the companies to a completely different level, not just locally, not just North American, but for their entire companies, for all the operations worldwide. I see a lot of that coming from the Mexican talent. That's great. Yeah. Let's shift to um, safety and security, right? I know that there's a lot of folks um, that have uh, perceptions, sometimes real, sometimes not, related to security, a lot of transborder crossings and things of that nature. And Hey, I have a concern about um, uh, theft, crime, things of that nature. H how is that not specific to, uh, to your business, but in general in Mexico, how is that changing um, and how does that impact the, the, the clients out there? So safety and security, talk a little bit about that. Okay. So I, for example, I spent a lot of time in the city of Tijuana, which is, uh, I think in the media, definitely portrayed as one of the most um, negative cities when it comes to, to violence. Uh, mm -hmm. I drive into Tijuana at least twice a week in my infinity and have been since I was 16 years old um, and have yet to ever encounter any security issues. I'm not saying that it's not an issue and that it's not happening. Tijuana, in, uh, from a statistical standpoint, it's a big city with big city problems and we do have uh, cartels and we do have our issues, but as a whole, it's, it's a problem that they, they stick to themselves. So from a business standpoint, our business community is not impacted by what's going on from, you know, with, with all their mess and, and, you know, with the cartel stuff. So my clients, my U.S. American clients will drive in and out to their factories whenever they need to. They fly into San Diego, cross the border, and they're in their facility within half an hour from when they landed at, at the San Diego International Airport. Um, so there's no concern uh, daily concern in regards to their well-being, if you will. So it, it doesn't impact our, our business as a whole. Uh, but it's not to say that it's not something that, that we're vigilant on, that we keep an eye on um, and communicate is should we see any movements in, in security. But in general, 
it's business as usual when it comes to to our industry manufacturing. That's great. I'm great. It's great to hear that. You know, sometimes perception is not reality. Um, and so that's terrific to hear that your organization is really has that under control and, and um, really explains the realities of the situation. So let's uh, shift to kind of the future of sourcing and manufacturing in, in Mexico. So um, we talked a little bit about how things were in the past, where they are now. Where, where do you see uh, the manufacturing aspects of Mexico five, 10 years out? 10, 10 may be a little long, but let's say five years out from now, what, what's changed and what's improved? I'm seeing some very, much more movement. So companies are aggressively looking at long-term investments in Mexico, whereas before they were, you know, maybe evaluating leases that were three to five years. They want to tip, you know, dip their toe in the water to see if it works. And that mindset has completely changed. I'm seeing very, you know, companies and billion dollar manufacturing companies who are making very sophisticated equipment or, uh, for example, in the medical device industry, mm-hmm. and they, it's no longer a question if Mexico's going to work. They know it's going to work. Now it's just, it's full investment, multi-million dollar investments and tenant improvements and infrastructure and really looking at it from a long-term perspective. Um, lease agreements, perfect example. The three to five is now 10 to 15 years. So companies okay. that are going in, they're, they're no longer concerned whether or not they're going to find the labor force, whether or not um, the trade agreements are going to be favorable or not. They're very favorable to foreign investors who are operating in Mexico. So they're not afraid to make the long-term commitments. Um, and I'm seeing much more sophisticated manufacturing processes being brought down, which is really exciting. Yeah, terrific. What would be um, a couple of, you know, final thoughts or recommendations, right? So uh, to customers that may have uh, an interest to move down there, engage your company and and really open shop. So two or three things like, hey, you make sure you got to dot your I's and cross your T's on this one, stay away from that one. Uh, What are some, you know, parting thoughts that you would give out to our audience members? Uh, I would say find some good local partners um, in the city. If you already have a city identified, make sure that you're working with um, partners who really understand the city. Mexico still really operates under uh, the local know-how, know-who, very important um, when setting up shop in in Mexico and in the city or or location or region that you want to set up in. And I would say buy-in from your key executives that are gonna be a part of the move of your US executives. So what I do find a lot is that these projects are kept very confidential and a really very small group is aware of it. And when it comes to actually moving into Mexico, that's where a lot of the the company may find some, some issues because their US executives haven't bought in to the process. So um, really thinking that through appropriately, I think is, is important because these US executives are really what are gonna create, breathe some life into this project. And I would say one more tidbit would be to consider hiring local plant managers to come and work in the US facility and train, train, not work, in the US facility for a couple months prior to setting up the operation so that they can really understand the culture 
and the know-how and create a relationship with you so that when the transfer starts to happen, um, they have they have a really good connection with um, with all the players who are going to be involved in in overseeing the, the manufacturing operation in Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's a great piece of advice that sometimes can be overseen. You're so focused on a spreadsheet analysis. You know, I've used the terms you're looking at the 15 feet in front of you, but you got to look at the 50 feet ahead of you so you can have the right people um, with the uh, um, the right education and the right know-how to run your business. So I, I would not have thought of that last point. So I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit as we uh, as we wind down here, obviously there's some folks like very interested. Tell our audience how to get in touch with you or what the best way is if they wanted to, to dive deeper and learn more about your services. What's the best way to do that? You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my name is Veronica Contreras and it's Zavero Consulting. You can shoot me an email or give me a call on my cell phone um, and I will schedule some time with you so that we can talk about what your project's interests are so we can work on a cost analysis. That's excellent. That's terrific. Well, Veronica, I can't thank you enough for being part of, uh, of the Uptime Logistics Group today. I think it was very informative. I know we just touched the, the surface of everything, but um, I think the goal today was to kind of understand what you do and, and kind of the, the nuances and, and, the, uh, and the positive things coming out of manufacturing in Mexico. So again, thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right. And I'd like to thank our audience for joining us today on Uptime Logistics. Of course, that's powered by Cap Logistics. You can find more information about the show in the description below. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. And please visit caplogistics.com for all of your customized transportation solutions. Thanks again. Have a great day.